Stand Up For The Truth is sponsored by Lakeshore Communications Incorporated and made possible by your generous tax-deductible donations at StandUpForTheTruth.com slash donate. This is Stand Up For The Truth, a packed hour of challenging discussion addressing important issues and topics affecting Christians across the nation. Join the conversation via email at comments at StandUpForTheTruth.com. Now, David Fiorazzo. Good morning, brothers and sisters in Christ. Thank you so much for tuning in to today's Stand Up For The Truth. What a great response yesterday um, as we had a uh, pastor's perspective from uh, local pastor Kevin Minsky was in studio. And I, it, this is just amazing. This is God's favor. I just want to j- just thank Harbingers Daily. I had, did not have any contact with them. But they um, generously decided to post that podcast on their website under recent podcasts and videos they recommend. So what a great interview about politics, quote unquote, politics in the church and what's a pastor's responsibility. That was yesterday. And now if you go to Harbinger's Daily, it's a website I highly recommend. Um, They are Bereans, and I really appreciate their worldview and they put world news, um, cultural news, church, podcasts, teachings on that website. So again, Harbingers Daily, thank them by praying for that ministry, praying for their website, their news website. And if you care to donate, you know, here here we are a nonprofit. I'm saying donate to someone else. But if you care to do that, there is a place for you to encourage them that they're on the right track, doing the right thing. And so we really appreciate, um, again, it wasn't solicited. They've taken a bunch of our podcasts from Stand Up For The Truth, and they put it uh, on Harbinger's Daily. So I have a profile page that I did not ask for. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's really astounding to me, you guys. I'm there with Jan Markell, Frank, Franklin Graham, Amir Sarfati, Jack Hibbs. I, to me, I don't belong there, but God, you know, has us uh, on that website. Here coming out of uh, Little Green Bay, Wisconsin. So um, a very important topic today, and let me just share with you um, this theme. It seems to be—it doesn't seem to be a theme that needs to go away anytime soon, and we're going to get into the fact that if the culture is confused about any issue, whether that be gender, whether that be race, whether that be um, LGBT ideology, uh, whether that be, you know, a certain teaching or a certain worldly philosophy or movement out there, then chances are there are Christians, because we are human beings, inside most churches that are also confused. And I, I hate to beat a dead horse before I introduce today's special guest, but pastor, if you aren't equipped to lead, either Pray and find a way to equip yourself in these things on top of the biblical foundation of God's truth and his word, or find allow someone else to step up and lead and be a watchman and be a shepherd of the congregation because the flock needs to be led, they need to be informed. And I know a lot of you feel like maybe you didn't sign up for this as pastors. But guess what? Here we are. It's a new world, and our country is being destroyed. Almost literally. So you have a responsibility, and that's all I will say. I'll get off my high horse. I can't wait to bring in today's guest, but let's open in prayer. Father, thank you so much for 
allowing us to be here for such a time as this. We know you are sovereign and in control over all things, even when it might appear by looking out into our culture and at the world today and its direction and the decline of morality that you might not be in control, but we know that you are. And yet we trust you in all things. We thank you, God. Thank you for the prophecies we still have to look forward to being fulfilled in the return of Jesus Christ, our great God and Savior, our blessed hope. We thank you for that. And we also thank you for all the trials and tests in this short life that drive us to you, that bring us closer to you. We thank you that you invite us to come boldly to your throne of grace, to receive mercy and grace to help us in a time of need. And we thank you, God, that no matter how severe our trials are, they are somehow worked out for our good and for your glory. And I pray that believers listening right now would not be overwhelmed by all that's happening in the world and, I, and any trials in their personal lives, whether that be health trials, loss of a job, a family friction, or something going on in our culture. I pray, Lord, that they would not turn their backs on you thinking that you're not paying attention. Draw them closer to you. Touch them today. In Jesus' name, give us wisdom. Amen. Uh, we are blessed to have back with us Dr. James Taylor. Uh, you can call him JT once you get to know him. He's an author, pastor, and educator who is concerned not only about uh, one of these movements, critical race theory in our government and education, but about many woke churches today and the confusion of people within the church. Uh, James is a public school teacher. He's the senior pastor of Christ's Church in Norman, Oklahoma, and we are going to get his pastor's perspective today on Standard for the Truth. Plus, he's got a book called It's Biblical, Not Political. James Taylor, welcome back to Standard for the Truth, brother. David, it's a pleasure to be here. And I want to say, you said earlier that you were not— didn't think you were worthy to be in that list of people, and by all evidence to the contrary, you do deserve to be there. Well, thank you for that. Um, yeah, I don't know what to say other than just just thank you. I'll leave it at that. Um, it's it's humbling. It's it's humbling. So I look at some of their ministries and these men and women of God and these leaders who have been fighting this good fight for decades, and uh, I'm just blessed to be even thought of, let alone mentioned in the same company. But uh, before we get into the topics today, James, uh, confused congregations need pastors to lead, teach, equip, and warn, and sometimes rebuke. Um, and critical race theory is going to be a big part of our conversation today because you have done a lot of research on that, and you are going through something now at your school. But before we get to that, um, we met. Uh, several months ago at the Liberty Pastors Conference. It was a blessing to sit down with you and do our first interview there in person. Um, so since that, that was in July, since that conference, just give us an update on your ministry, what's been happening in your church, in the school, with your job, and whatever else you'd like to, sh to share to allow our listeners to get to know you a little better. Okay, well, thank you, David, for this opportunity. Um, I, you know, as you said, I am a pastor, I've uh, been doing this for uh, about 45 years now. Um, in the process of this, you know, as a school teacher, uh, I, I believe that it's important that people know their rights. Mm. And I tell my students every year that, because I'm a history teacher, I tell them, if you do not know your rights, you've already lost your rights. And so mm. uh, this year, our state legislature passed a law, uh, Senate Bill 658, which simply says, 
that no school district can mandatory mask wearing unless uh, there is a state of emergency declared by our governor. And so everyone, we started school like normal. We were in school for one week. And then the next Monday, our superintendent uh, declared that everybody has to wear a mask. Well, I chose, I chose, I and uh, five others, uh, four others, we chose not to wear the mask. And so they dubbed us the OKCPS5, I guess. Uh, we chose not <laughs> to wear a mask, and so we've been suspended. Oh, my goodness. And uh, it's kind of interesting because when I went into my principal's office to uh, be sent home, <laughs> in the office was our, our principal, our uh, one of the assistant principals, and then also the our security guard was there. So when I walk in, the principal has his mask under his nose, the Security guard has his on his chin, and the, yeah, and the associate assistant principal, he's the only one who's worn it correctly. And I thought, I wish I had a picture for this uh, <laughs> a camera wow. ready because it was so ironic. So I'm going in there to be sent home because of what they're doing. Oh so this is, it was ironic. So anyway, they had me on paid uh, leave while they do investigations. And so, um, <clears throat> because I'm a tenured teacher, the law is that you can't fire uh, a tenured teacher un- unless, uh, you put them on a uh, improvement plan and they haven't put us on an improvement plan. They just want to fire us. And so because of that, they're trying to get around the law. So they just recently, uh, two weeks ago, uh, actually added to our, our, um, and uh, what they were endangering the lives of kids is what they're saying. Uh, they added to this, that we are involved in moral turpitude. Hmm. And so it's just, it's a, it's a joke really, because, they have to prove that, and there's no, there's no proof of that. That just simply isn't. That's just their way of trying to get around the law because you can fire someone for moral turpitude, but uh, and that you know moral turpitude is a negative thing in so many ways because it affects your future employment in the school districts, etc. But that's all okay because I'm very much at peace because God God has always been my provider, and um, I don't know what it's like uh, up there in Green Bay, but I know here. Uh, <laughs> you go anywhere and there's help wanted signs everywhere. Oh, exactly. I, that's funny. I just pointed that out to my wife the other day. We went by uh, Costco. We went by uh, Quick Trip, McDonald's, and Subway, and all these other places. And I look, help wanted, help wanted, now hiring. And I'm thinking, where are all the workers that I know there's people that can use jobs? That's just amazing that you brought that up. Well, they don't have to work because they're getting paid. You know, I don't know if you, this is, oh gosh, this was uh, probably around May. Uh, I, was, I was in the car and I was listening to the radio and a news blurb came up about a family with their number of kids that in this last year because of COVID, they made $100,000 as a family not working. Oh my goodness. And I'm like, well, why would they go to work? Of course. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. They don't have to. So, yeah. And, and again, you know, that which is, you know, to me, that's a, that's a real problem for someone who wants to live like that, because God, it's just really interesting. Before God gave Adam a wife, he gave him two jobs. One uh, was to tend to the garden and the other was to name all the animals. And so I always say I always tell ladies, ladies, if he refuses to work, don't marry him because you will have problems. Mm. But that's really what it is. Job, uh, uh, the job. God gave man a job, two jobs, before the fall even occurred. And so work is uh, part of the hand of God. But some people don't want to work, and, and, and that's, why, that's, why we, that's why there's 
these cargo ships that are sitting out there in the ocean, they can't get me. That's why our grocery store show, stores uh, shelves are being empty. I mean, mm. you can go in and you can see they're empty shelves. Wow. And they're talking about, you better get your Christmas shopping done now because if you can find it, because otherwise it's going to cost even more. So it's just, this is a domino effect that has an impact upon the entire, uh, our entire livelihood, lifestyle. Wow. So let's talk about this in light of the black community because we, we let's transition now because the, there's so many things coming against uh, the church and a lot of people are falling for it because they sound good and maybe people are led by emotion and not uh, fact or history. But back in the 1960s, it was Lyndon Johnson who created the Great Society yes. and passed some yes. of the biggest welfare programs and he ballooned the federal government. Well, one of those programs gave money or incentive to a single woman in, uh, you know, inner city, whether it be black, white, Hispanic, whatever. But primarily, it was the black community that it hurt because it encouraged them to uh, get pregnant, keep their baby. But there was no man in the house. There was no husband that needed to be around. And they couldn't get the money from the government. So your thoughts on that? Because since then, we've seen this entitlement society. And man, it's really done a lot of damage. Go ahead, JT. I would say that that is one of the greatest problems in the black community today, and that is the lack of fathers in their lives. You know, in, if, if a father in the black community is not in a kid's life, uh, according to Barack Obama's statistics, then they have a 20% more greater chance of going to prison. Uh, the black, not having a father there is devastating our society. I, I will tack on the reason why we have such amazing numbers of black-owned black crime is because the fathers are not there. Mm-hmm. They're, uh, they're absent. Uh, and and we, we can go back even beyond that in the 60s. If you go back even further uh, in the days where there was slavery, you'll see that it was slavery was set up in such a way that they actually had certain men, black men, who they actually called bucks who were to impregnate women to have more slaves. Wow. And so even in slavery days, the idea that the black man can uh, sow his seed, so to speak, and not be responsible uh, for that was, was set in the mindset of people. So, so if you go back even further, all Johnson did was codify it into law, hmm. what was happening in the past. Wow. That's all he did. Wow. That's that's amazing. Thank you for a little bit of history there that brings us. I know we're skipping a lot since the 1960s and coming up to today. But James Taylor, how did we get to the point where our culture now thinks something like the Black Lives Matter Global Network Foundation, which is Marxist driven and critical race theory are good things or even solutions for the problem of either racism or injustice. Can you sum that up for us? How did we get here to accept these as solutions? They're non-biblical. Well, it's not. It's not. There's nothing biblical about, well, about Marxism, about Black Lives Matter, about critical race theory. All of these things are anti-Christian, um, and they are uh, they go at the core of this. But what happens is people are so afraid of being called 
a racist. Hmm. This is this is the worst word to be called today is a racist. And so people, in order to try to deal with this, they will give in or not say anything about what they're saying. Bottom line is what critical race theory is, is basically the belief that everybody of European descent uh, makes society a, a racist society mm-hmm. and, that, and, and that they're using that for their own benefit. Well, that's just not true. It just simply isn't true. But people are buying into that lie. And, and, and this is, this is it, it's tentacles are going out on every area of, of, of life. I focus on education, but it's in the military. It's in the medical community. Uh, it's in everywhere that you can, people are teaching this nonsense mm-hmm. and people are buying it. And I've always, I've always thought, gosh, why in the world do white people believe this lie? <laughs> because that's where it gets started. And because the people who are in charge of most of these corporations are people of European descent. And they're the ones that are pushing this onto their own people, which mm-hmm. is like, you got to be kidding me. And so because they're afraid of being called a racist, and I, 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 you've heard me say this uh, in, in our presentation, is, and I learned a long time ago that name calling doesn't really matter. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can call me anything and it's not going to affect me. And here's why. I learned a long time ago that I've been called the best by God. Uh, I've been called the worst by God, a sinner. And I've been called the best by God, my child. Mm. And anything anybody says falls in between, so they can't hurt me. So I've been called everything from A to Z. And, and it's fine. You can call me whatever you want because it doesn't impact me. Now, I didn't get there overnight. It took a while for me to get there. But that's the big deal. If you, if you can deal with the fact that they're going to call you names, they're going to make life difficult for you, uh, then you can, you can survive this stuff and you can start dealing with this. You know, like, it's like there's a contrast between biblical justice and social justice. God is huge on justice. Justice matters to God. But in biblical justice, it's, about, it's, about a, it's a heart issue. It's about what's in your heart. But in social justice, it's about what it's a state issue. What's the state going to say? In biblical justice, it's about individuals. Uh, in social justice, it's about groups' decisions. It's all about the group. In biblical justice, it's about what the individual outcome, what happens for me. But in group uh, social justice, it's group outcome. What's going to happen with uh, blacks? What's going to happen with Hispanics? What's going to what's best for transgenders? What's best for gays? All of those things. Uh, and it's it's about Biblical justice is about equality, but social justice is about equity. Equity is what equity is is participation trophies. That's what everybody's gotten. And what yeah. what equity does has mm. this participation trophy mindset has greatly weakened uh, the generation coming up. Greatly weakened them. That's a whole other issue. But yes, in biblical is. justice, it's our identity. My identity is in Jesus Christ. Uh, but in social gen- uh, justice, it's all about power. It's about privilege. It's about oppression. That's what that's all about. And so all of those things, there's a contrast there, biblical justice, social justice. There's a contrast there. There's a contrast in, in what, what, uh, what Jesus has said uh, as well, because we all know that Jesus is very much concerned about uh, everybody and mm-hmm. not just a, a handful of people. Um, we will see that in John 13, uh, I think it's verse 35, uh, Jesus says, by this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. But that's contrary to what's going on with critical race theory, Antifa, Black Lives Matters. It's just the opposite. You have to, you have to hate 
those of European descent because they are considered the oppressor, and you are the oppressed. That's contrary to the Word of God. Romans 8.1 says, therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Well, that's all critical race theory and Black Lives Matter do, is condemning people for their skin color. Hmm. Uh, In Acts 17, verse 26, Paul uh, tells, uh, or or Dr. Luke tells the people, uh, we all come from one blood. We all can trace our history to Adam. And so we all are part of Adam. Uh, and so this is all contrary yes. to what God's Word says. Amen. Uh, so those are concerns. Those are concerns, and you, you, it is contrary to the Word of God. Uh, and I, I, can, I will just say this as bluntly as I can, that for any pastor to mix Black Lives Matters and Antifa, uh, critical race theory, uh, Black liberation theology, any of those others, Marxism ideas, with the gospel, they have just created false thought. You know, it's interesting— in Galatians chapter 1, Paul says in Galatians chapter 1, verse 8, he says, Even if we are an angel from heaven, should preach to you a gospel contrary to what we have preached to you, he is to be accursed. Some translations say he should be accursed to hell. Mm. That's verse 8. Paul yes. goes so far, he wants you to get the message. So in verse 9, he repeats that. And yep. that's why whenever any Christian any pastor stands up in the pulpit and mixes this stuff up. I mean, I, I, there's pastors in my town that are standing up there mixing critical race theory uh, with the gospel. Yep. Asking those congregations to recognize their... Uh, to recognize their... Hey, James, uh, we've got to take a break. Sorry about that. We need to okay. continue that. We no need problem. to talk a little more about that when we come back with Dr. James Taylor on Stand Up For The Truth. Keep it right here. Your monthly financial support of StandUpForTheTruth.com is needed and appreciated. Now, back to today's Stand Up For The Truth with David Fiorazzo. Dr. James Taylor is with us, author, pastor, educator. He is the senior pastor of Christ's Church, Norman, Oklahoma. He's got a book out, which we're not talking about today because we did mention it last time, but it certainly is applicable. It's called... It's biblical, not political. And so we encourage you guys, I'll put it in the post-it, or the the post-it notes, (laughs) the show notes in the post today at standupforthetruth.com. Maybe I'll throw a couple post-its on there as well. Um, So, uh, James, you were saying something very important that we really need to grasp before we took our break, and that pastors, some have fallen for the, whether it's be the shaming, the virtue signaling, the guilt tripping about uh, racism or injustice, or the, the, there's been social justice apostasy within our churches. And you said yeah. something very important, that uh, once pastors go down this road and start preaching this, it is another gospel. Go ahead and finish your thoughts. Yes, it is. You know, as Galatians 1, 8, 9 says, let them be a curse. It's just, when you combine those things, uh, you've created another gospel, then that Christian or pastor should be very concerned what Jesus says when he says in Mark's gospel, woe, woe, woe to those who lead one of my little ones astray, for it would be better for them to have a millstone tied around their neck and tossed into the ocean. Now, a millstone weighs about 2,000 pounds. What he's saying is you have a better chance of survival with a 2,000-pound rock tied around your neck and you tossed into the ocean than you do facing Jesus when you lead one of the little ones astray. That, that can't be good. That wow. can't be good. And so what we have are pastors who are embracing this, I just call it what it is, this lie from the pit of hell, 
uh, and they're embracing that, and they should be very concerned about teaching that same garbage to the body of Christ. Now, for me, you know, I, I the scriptures tell us in Ephesians to expose these things, and that's what I do. I, I preach this stuff from the, the pulpit. In fact, my book, uh, if biblical, not political, literally are sermons that I preach mm. <laughs> on, on their 17 issues uh, that are in the book. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Do you talk about politics from the pulpit? <laughs> Every week. <laughs> Every week. <laughs> well, how and, can and you And the know? reason is, is because it's not, it's not politics. Hmm. God talks about marriage before there was a United States of America. Ooh, wait a minute. Hold that's very profound, James Taylor. God talks about politics before there was a United States. Or talk, God talks about marriage and family and life in the womb because with child, right? That's what the Bible yes. calls a pregnant woman before yes. there was a United States of America. So we've got pastors in America today and many Christians who believe that these moral issues are political because that's what the uh, government or the public schools, which are secular, progressive, humanist, have been telling us. Continue, please. Yeah, that, and, and they're listening to the lie. God spoke about all these things a long time ago. And so I don't, I, I don't consider what I'm doing in the pulpit as being political. Mm. I'm just being biblical. Yes. Amen, brother. So let's define some terms. Because people, as we said at the top of the podcast, if our culture is confused about some of these issues, the terminologies, the movements, what these new meanings now, woke, what the heck, where did this come from? We know that people in the church are also confused. And pastor, again, let me encourage you, they need you to lead. They need you to teach yes. and, and inform and equip. Leaders lead or, or find someone else that will step up and lead. But I'm sorry to be so hard on that, but this is, this is one of the reasons America looks like it does, because the church has not been the church and fully equipped the saints. But let's talk about social justice. I'm looking at a cheat sheet that you provided. You sent this to me, and it's called Responding to Social Justice Rhetoric. And I would love for you to just share, particularly the five in the left column, social justice and then critical race theory. So share with us how to understand these terms. Okay. Uh, it's one of the reasons why this, this chart's so important is because people do not know how to recognize or how to explain. you got to be, whenever you're talking about something, you have to explain your term. Make sure you're talking about the same thing. So first one on the list up there, uh, and I give these out when I do my presentations on critical race theory. I give these out. Uh, some people take 10, 15 of them. I just give them out uh, all the time. But social justice, uh, what they mean is uh, group entitlements. That's what social justice is, group entitlements. Uh, critical race theory, uh, what they mean by that is belief that people of European descent make society racist for their own benefits. Um, diversity what they mean by the term diversity is uh, an identity-based approach to society includes only those who agree with social justice. And that's important. Hmm. When they talk about uh, diversity, uh, if you don't agree with them, then you're, you're not part of the system. Uh, equity, what they mean by that is equality of outcomes plus reparations. Hmm. They want reparations to be given uh, to, to folks all the time. Um, and, and then the other word up here is inclusion. Uh, what they mean by that is restricted speech and justification uh, for purges. That's what they want to do is inclusion is, is most 
people of European descent uh, in America would be excluded and not included uh, in the way they use their terms. So those are the five things that uh, are very, very uh, big right now, what people are saying. Yeah, and people need to understand that again. They understand the terms. Yes, understand the terms. Now, there's other stuff on the sheet that goes into more specific identification of those things, but that lets you know when people say these words what they mean. And once you understand what they're saying, you can you find out what's going on, and you can plug it in to, to any school district, and you can find out how how much of the CRT is in their system already. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of questions you can ask as a parent. I think you yes. need to really be informed as far as uh, what your children are bringing home. Look at Absolutely. their, please look at their textbooks. But now let's talk a little bit about how you are handling this at your church. And I, I know you're a public school teacher as well. But how do you handle this at your church? Because I'm guessing uh, you have a you know mixed congregation, black, white, Hispanic. Um, so how do you handle this? I know Oklahoma, one of the most conservative states in the country. I really look up to um, I, you guys as far as uh, what you guys stand for. Generally, I know the government is always a battle in Congress in Oklahoma. But um, tell us a little bit about how you've handled this in your own church. Well, we handle it by speaking the truth. Uh, the scriptures tell us the truth will set you free. <laughs> and so we, we do not want our people in bondage to social justice or critical race theory. Uh, I mean, I, 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 I preach, you know, you heard my, you heard a presentation that I do Excellent. Uh, yes. on critical race theory. And that's very similar to what I did in the pulpit of my church. And of course, every time I do it, it changes because it's, it's fluid. But I, I speak on all of these things directly uh, from the from the church, like right now, uh, we're going through the authority of Christ. Uh, and yes, last week, uh, this past Sunday, our, we were dealing with the authority of Christ over demons, mm. and we got a second part to that this week too. Uh, and we're dealing with what's going on. You know, there's there is demonic activity going on with the CRT, Black Lives Matters, uh, Antifa. This is this is demonic activity. People don't want to use that terminology, but when you study this stuff, there's no other way to explain it. This is there is demonic activity taking place on, on, in our schools. In fact, what's interesting, um, I don't know uh, uh, if you remember, David, when I talked about what was going on in California, where they were having the kids pray to the Aztec God and yeah. ask them to come into them and, yes. and to heal them and all this other stuff. Well, Good news is that there are parents now that have cited, decided to fight back, and now parents have sued the uh, – uh, they, they, they're asking the judge to block the public school from asking students to pray to those Aztec gods. They finally are coming out and saying, wait, this is stopping this, because that was demonic. That yep. was pure demonology. Yes. Pure demonology. So finally – uh, when the parents are getting the wind of this, they're starting to fight back. So I, I'm encouraged by that. But that's still stuff that we talk about in our church. We talk about these things. I encourage our people from the pulpit to get involved mm-hmm. uh, with either uh, running for office or or getting on the school board. At least. Uh, so I encourage yes. people to do this stuff. You yes. have to start, you know, you have to be right there on the 
front lines. Yes, and it must be pointed out, there will be resistance because already Absolutely. they are upset that concerned Christians and parents and citizens who have kids in the public schools are going to these school board meetings now. Maybe they never have before, yes. but it's gotten to the point where this radical, hyper-sexualized perversion they call uh, health or science or education is in the schools, and now they're making young white children in kindergarten feel bad about their race. They're teaching the children. No wonder they end up uh, not believing in God, believing in evolution, and hating their country. But I'm off my soup soapbox. Um, uh, James, we need to talk about the the nuts and bolts of critical race theory a little bit here because there's there's so much in our culture. I mean, I think of. Uh, Ibram Kendi, who is a leftist professor yes. and author who helped popularize this understanding, or what most people understand to be critical race theory. First of all, I'd like, to, before we get into some points, some bullet points, I'd like to get your response to this. Recently, he said in an interview that Jesus is a radical revolutionary who came to free people from the clutches of the American empire. I'm not making this up. I'm not making this up. He he reject his book. His I know it is laughable, but people believe his book is called. Now you're laughing as an informed person who has done their research. Now I I we, before we begin, you're still laughing. Enjoy. I was before we got on the air today. We were talking about with James about uh, in 2008 when Barack Obama was running for president why he went to this church for 20 years whose pastor hated America and was teaching black liberation theology. So some of us decided to go research that, what he believed and what worldview that comes from. And so to hear this guy uh, write this book, How to Be an Anti-Racist, he rejects, quote, white evangelical theology, and he believes in liberation theology. And so, James, your thoughts on this, to you and I, it's laughable. But to a lot of people, they go, wow, well, Jesus did love people. Maybe he did come to free people from the clutches of the American empire. So please share your thoughts on that. Well, first of all, America wasn't even in existence then, but don't, <laughs> don't confuse them with the facts. Uh, <laughs> oh, I mean, that just is a crazy statement. It's just, I mean, it's insane. But that's, that's what's ruling right now, insanity. But, you know, when you talk about black liberation theology, it, it's very personal to me as well, mm. because... Uh, I, I grew up in Clovis, New Mexico, and my dad was in the Air Force, and the church, we went to a little black Baptist church, and all of a sudden, the messages began to change, and the pastor started teaching black liberation theology. Mm. My parents and I, we had a conversation, and I, my dad was a deacon in the church, and uh, said, hey, I, this is false doctrine, we need to go somewhere else. And my mom and dad said, hey, uh, we're going to stay and try to change it. Uh, and, and preach the truth. And I asked my parents with their permission and blessing if I can go find a different church. And they gave it to me. And hmm. so I actually left the church that began to teach black liberation theology. Hmm. Well, shortly after that, my parents left that church too, uh, because they realized that, that wasn't, they weren't going to be able to do that. So that is something that even I, as a junior in high school, recognize that there's something wrong here. Uh, this is not sane. And it was Marxism. That's all it was. And and Jesus is not a Marxist. And so you have people, it is very easy for people to go through that. Now, this was in uh, the early, this was in the 70s, the early 70s, when this began to happen. Uh, and so what happens is people 
you know, the 70s just came out of the era of the 60s. That decade was turbulent. Mm, yep. <laughs> um, and so there was a lot of people that were gravitating to that because it sounded like it was going to help. It sounded like it was offering peace. But the scriptures tell us that even Satan can appear as an angel of light. Uh, so that's what happens. So people get caught up in that, and, and they, the aspects of emotion gets in. And, and when people make decisions out of emotion rather than out of logic, there's nothing wrong with emotions, but out of the logic and out of truth, then they usually come down with the wrong decision and go down the wrong path. Hmm. So uh, this stuff about the black liberation theology uh, is very, very real, and, and some blacks gravitate to it because they, they believe that the lie, that uh, that's their way of getting out of it, and that's what Kendi does. That's just, that's, just, that's just a hook to grab people with this emotional argument without it being logical. I mean, it just, you know, America wasn't even around at the Exactly, time. exactly. Right. So, I mean, that, that's how they do this. And so this is a very popular idea for what blacks think will get them, get them help and, and help them out. But that's just, it's, it's, it's false doctrine. It's just pure false doctrine. Yes, it is. And, and it really and, sets and up sets up people against each other as oppressed and exactly. oppressor and who who are it's this victim mentality, sadly, that even a lot of minorities are feeling today because of the the rhetoric that's being espoused today. So um boy, we've got to continue to, to clarify and, and speak the truth and try to re-educate, really, because people are hearing and learning the wrong things. They're not learning the truth. We've got to take a break. Uh, James Taylor is our guest today. Now when we come back, we'll get to some of the nuts and bolts of critical race theory. I found an excellent article with a practical ministry explainer for pastors, and there's some very good points in here. And I know James has got a lot to share about this issue, which is so important because people are believing lies. That's why we're one of the reasons we're concerned and it does not lead to salvation or redemption or Christ. More in just a minute on Stand Up for the Truth. Thank you for listening and sharing today's show via StandUpForTheTruth.com slash podcast. Now, back to Stand Up for the Truth. Here's David Fiorazzo. Galatians chapter 3, uh, toward the end of the chapter, it says, The law has become our guardian to lead us to Christ so that we may be justified by faith. But now that faith has come, we are no longer under a guardian, for you are all sons. And Now, these are believers in Christ. Once we are believers, the cross is the great equalizer. Verse 26 says, For you are all sons and daughters of God through faith in Jesus Christ. Verse 28, There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is neither male nor female. Why? For you are all one in Christ Jesus. What a blessing to know the truth of what Scripture teaches and what our identity is in Christ, not in a country, not in a political party, not in our skin color. So, uh, James Taylor, you uh, do presentations on critical race theory, and you I really enjoyed your DVD, by the way. Uh, by the way, how can people get that DVD? Uh, they can contact me. Uh, my email is taylorriot at yahoo.com, and they can send that to me, and I'll get it'll be in the mail today. today. Okay, we'll, we'll put. <laughs> or they can, or they can call my. You know, my everybody knows my cell phone. <laughs> I give it out all the time. My phone number is four zero five five nine six three five seven nine, and they can get it that way. All right, we'll we'll get them. 
uh, a hold of you. We'll also put the link to your Facebook page, if that's okay. We'll put that in the podcast okay. notes at standard. Yep, at standardforthetruth.com. So people have several ways to try to get a hold of you and learn more about you and, and get that DVD. What is the DVD called? I know it's on critical race it's, theory. Uh, critical race theory versus the Bible. Awesome. And that's exactly what we're talking about today, friends. You need to do a contrast between truth and lies, between what the Bible teaches and what Marxism teaches. You need to do yeah. a, a contrast with what the truth is versus what critical race theory espouses and what Black Lives Matter is built on this Marxist antichrist ideology. Now, I'm, well, you said something earlier, James. We are seeing the antichrist spirit of the age today. And you said these movements and these these teachings are doctrines of demons, or you said they were demonic. What we're not yes. saying is that everybody who believes them is a demon or demonic or or, oh, no, or no, possessed. No. What we're saying is very simple. It's a spiritual principle. Jesus even called some of the religious leaders. He said, you are of your, your father, the devil. And yes. in First John, I believe chapter 3 or 4, John says, you are either of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, or the spirit of Antichrist. So, right. and it all comes down to whether you are a child of God who is born again and believes in Jesus, and you are either following one spirit or the other spirit. Now that we've got that, that squared away, let's talk about critical race theory because um, pastors are afraid of this because it's so divisive. So, open up uh, the first couple points I guess we could make about this is it really doesn't have a solution leading to salvation, reconciliation, no. or redemption. It's the only no. solution is to elevate one people group and suppress another people group or make them feel guilty or shamed or redistribute wealth or material resources. Have I got any of that wrong? No, that's exactly right. That's exactly right. And the redistribution of wealth is going to be flowing only one way to people of color. Yes. So it is an activist movement, a radical activist movement. Critical race theory measures are not mere theory. Interesting they call it a theory, right? They, James, as you know, tell us about some of the marching orders to some of their minions. Uh, we might call them useful idiots, but they have fallen for this hook, line, and sinker, and they are now activists. Tell us about some of uh, what they're trying to do out in our culture or in the schools or in the government. Well, what one of the things that they're doing is uh, everything is based upon your color. Your color uh, matters more than anything else, which is contrary to uh, what's happening. Uh, those who are white or European, they're considered privileged. Therefore, they must be dismissed, meaning what they have to say is totally irrelevant. Mm. You'll hear this like from perspective of, uh, well, you're not black, so therefore you, you can't speak on this issue. Well, that's, that's nonsense. You know, uh, that just doesn't make any sense. It encourages hate. They encourage people to hate. Uh, one of the things that they do is they've built their, they've built their whole approach to things uh, as a mousetrap. Mm -hmm. I mean, their argument is a mousetrap. And here's how it works. They will say... Black lives matter, and you say all lives matter. <laughs> and then they'll say to you that uh, you're a racist. And then you'll say, I'm not a racist. And then they'll say, yes, you are. You just have it repressed. Well, in that whole conversation, there is, once they start going down that pathway, you have already won because they have no substance. They have no substance. 
It's all name-calling. And once you get past that, in fact, in that dialogue, the only things that was two things that were true. One, all lives matter. And, and two, that you're not a racist. The rest was just their speculation and accusation. Uh, and so once you recognize that it's a mousetrap, you are able to recognize the cheese and recognize mm. uh, the trigger, and therefore you can get, a, get around what they're trying to tell you, what they're trying to do. Uh, they want everybody to be at odds with them, each other. That's the basic premise of Marxism. You have to have an oppressor and you have to have the oppressed. Yes. Marxism says the issue is the issue. It doesn't matter what it is. You make whatever the issue the issue. So it can be black against white, uh, straight against gay, uh, wearing a mask or not wearing a mask, getting the vaccination or not getting the vaccination. Whatever the issue is, make that the issue. That's the basic premise of what they want to do. So they thrive on conflict. They thrive on disunity. And the, the greatest thing that can do happen to them is for people to uh, come together, for people to come together, and that will change everything, yep. to say the least, uh, because they can't handle that. Uh, they, they, they are out to try to end private property. Uh, they want to end individual rights. They want to end equality under the law. They want to end, like, federalism. Uh, they, they want to end – they want to have race-based uh, redistribution of wealth so that the people of color get it. Uh, they want group rights as opposed to individual rights, meaning gay rights or black rights or whatever it might be. Uh, this, is, this is active discrimination. To be anti-racist, you actually have to be a racist to be anti-racist. That, and, uh, that, that's just way, and that's very that's profound, what, James. That's yeah, very profound. Active. To, to be so, a, a, an anti-racist, you really have to be a racist. Please explain that point further. Well, in order to be anti-racist, according to Kendi and his group, uh, that means that uh, you have to agree with their perspective. Uh, you, have to be, you have to agree that blacks are being suppressed and that the Europeans are the oppressors. Uh, and if you don't believe that, then you're not anti-racist uh, enough to be included in the anti-racist group. Therefore, you are racist. I mean, it's just it's it's circular reasoning. It, it's it's just ridiculous mm -hmm. uh, what they do. And so that's what that's what they do. Is it's all about confusion. It's all about intimidation. It's all about accusation and uh, making people feel like they're using their emotions uh, really against them and making them think a certain certain things are right when they're not even close to being right. That's right. And again, uh, he, you know, you read from Kendi's statement and specifically going after Christianity and the theology of Christianity. Well, that's what all of CRT does. It, and that's what, it, it yeah. attacks Christianity. That's what Marxism does. Need to come to grips with. Yeah, it does. Yeah, exactly. Marxism does. Uh, and Black Lives Matters as well. Uh, so you have to, you have to look at what they're doing uh, and the church needs to stand up against this nonsense against this false doctrine. And like I said, against this, this is demonic influence uh, upon the church. And uh, this is the thing that they want, they want people to do or want to, be, want to have happen, uh, is those type of things. 
James, I appreciate they, they want they have to they want the end of free speech. I mean, you already know how that's working. Yes, you know, you say something about hydroxychloroquine or uh, on Facebook, you see how long you're in Facebook prison. <laughs> James, I appreciate your voice on this simple question. You don't need to get into a lengthy answer because I do want to get to another point. But do you think there's time? Do you think the church is too late uh, getting to this, or do you think there's still time? Because a lot of pastors have already uh, either accepted or they they avoid the issue. Uh, as long as we have breath in our our lungs, mm. it's never too late. Amen. Amen. I, I think Amen. God God is an incredible God, and as long as there's breath in our lungs, you know God can make a difference. Okay. And so, for people that are believing this and really haven't researched it, they're really not informed. Like when I read that quote from this guy, this uh, leftist radical activist, you laughed out loud because that was your natural response. But a lot of people do not have that foundation of truth on the Word of God and the biblical worldview and the research on what these movements are actually teaching. So, a good question to ask people is what critical race theory means in their view? Also, what led them to the conclusion that it is a good thing and it is a practical solution to racism or injustice? What's the worldview behind critical race theory? And chances are they'll either be defensive or some people might, well, they won't be expecting these questions. How did you come to that conclusion? But maybe they'll be prepared to answer. But um, the radical measures, their solution, James, here's the bottom line. We've got three minutes left. Their solution is um, whites must check their privilege and become anti-racist and then give whatever uh, money, property to those who deserve it, those who are victims. But it's just the opposite of what the Bible teaches. No mention of of Jesus Christ, the one who came. He was both truth and grace. But Christ, God, the biblical worldview is never pointed to as even remotely an idea or a solution. Share your final thoughts, James, in these last couple minutes. Well, it, the only solution uh, to any of this stuff is uh, Jesus Christ. If we neglect, negate that or get rid of that, we have no hope. And so that, that's really all that I can say, is that it's all in Jesus. If there is nothing in there with Jesus, then we're in trouble. Hey, one more word as I got a little passionate in uh, believe the end of segment one. Um, I'm trying to be patient with America's church leaders, but many are running their church like a business and they take the role of a CEO rather than a watchman or a shepherd or a teacher or someone that's actually equipping the saints. So one more word in the last minute and a half here, James, I'll give you an opportunity to speak to the heart of pastors who may be listening or to listeners who want to get this information to their pastors. What would you say to them? I'd say, brothers, if you're standing in the pulpit, you should be more afraid of what of Jesus Christ and what he can do to you than what your church board can do to you. Don't fear man. Fear God over man. Uh, and you, from my materials, you contact me. Uh, David, you know that if people don't have any money, I give them my materials. I mean, I give my materials. So get a copy of my book that has all these different subjects in there to deal with that are from what God has said, from marriage to homosexuality to uh, socialism. God's not a socialist, according to Scripture, uh, to uh, global warming. People don't know that God spoke about global warming, Mm. immigration. All these subjects are there. And get a copy that uh, uh, David has access to the sheet, the cheat sheet that we were referring to. He can give that to you. You can get that from him. Uh, But anything you want from me uh, is available. 
Thank you, James Taylor. We will put that cheat sheet in the today's StandUpForTheTruth.com podcast notes. It's called Critical Race Theory. I'm sorry, it's called Responding to Social Justice Rhetoric, and it's a cheat sheet. You'll see that link at StandUpForTheTruth.com with Dr. James Taylor. God bless you, brother. Keep fighting the Thank good you, fight of faith. We, we Hopefully we can work out uh, a time to have you on again, maybe after they make that decision at the school board. But thanks for your time. Thank you. You have a blessed day. You too, James. All right, when we come back, we'll let you know who our guests are the rest of the week. A uh, special podcast tomorrow that uh, you, many of you have already contacted me about waiting to hear this. You will hear it tomorrow. I'm promising you. Uh-oh. I don't use the P word that often, promise. But anyway, uh, thank you guys so much. We really need to get this inf- information out to pastors and those who really need to hear the truth. We'll be right back with uh, more on what's coming up on Stand Up For The Truth. Stand Up For The Truth, a ministry of Lakeshore Communications Incorporated. Keep the discussion going on social media. Stand Up WI on Facebook and Twitter. Now we wrap up today's Stand Up For The Truth. Hey, first of all, friends, God has really blessed us in this ministry by giving us opportunities, and I will be recording a show with with Jan Markell for an upcoming Understanding the Times uh, radio program. I'm so blessed to be asked back on. She's got such a massive platform, so yours truly will be a guest with Jan Markell. Tomorrow, part two with John Haller. Remember he was in studio? Well, he'll be on tomorrow. We will air that at 9 a.m. Central Time, and we'll put the podcast out there, of course, when he's done. A book, um, really interesting author, Samuel Okongo. He was actually kidnapped, and we're going to hear his story, how he came out of that on Thursday. And on Friday, Pastor Tim Thompson in Southern California took it on himself to start going to school board meetings because of the horrific uh, just sexual and perverse and evil agendas coming down from the U.S. Department of Education and the public schools. As a pastor, he said, I had to show up and just voice my opinion on what's going on and speak the truth. So he'll be with us on Friday, and yes, he did get a lot of opposition because of that. But uh, three great guests coming up. As always, thank you guys for listening and your support, sharing this podcast and the link to standardforthetruth.com. God bless you. And as always, keep speaking the truth about things that matter.